Paxton Quigley is rolling out the green carpet, talking to the creme de la creme of innovators and influencers who are shaping the world of cannabis and culture. Welcome to High Society with Paxton Quigley. Hello to all of you cannabis aficionados and welcome to High Society with Paxton Quigley. Folks, first I'd like to thank our listeners for purchasing my novel. It's called Just Try Me and it's available on Amazon in paperback as well as Kindle. And my book is about three cannabis consuming women who get involved in, shall we say, all manner of international intrigue. And Just Try Me has been called attractive to people who appreciate spicy intrigue. Now, one reviewer, a man, he said, if the action doesn't grab you, the sex will, it's a page turner. And now folks, today is the beginning of Green Wednesday. Hundreds and thousands of America's cannabis aficionados are ordering or buying at dispensaries and it's happening this week because it is Green Wednesday and this is special. You can get things at a very good price. And it's considered that it's cannabis's answer to Black Friday and Cyber Monday. And from California to, to Massachusetts, cannabis consumers are buying discounted pre-rolls, uh, vaporizer cartridges, gummy edibles, tinctures, et cetera, et cetera. And California's delivery service, which is called Ease, E-A-S-E, it claims they coined the term Green Wednesday in 2016. I don't know if that's true or not. But since then, thousands of legal stores in the United States have deals from 5% to 50% off on certain items. And the most popular are cannabis flowers rolled into a joint ahead of time, and that's called a pre-roll. So folks, it's a good reason to stock up. Okay, <laughs> and now to today's topic. Now, there were five states where medical and recreational cannabis was approved on November 3rd. In three of those five states, lawsuits have been filed to invalidate the results. And those states are Mississippi, Montana, and South Dakota. Now our guest today, he's gonna to help us understand why this is happening and what it means and also where we go from here. So I'd like to introduce Paul Armentano Deputy Director of the National Organization to Reform Marijuana Laws, or as we know it as NORML. Welcome to High Society with Paxton Quigley. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, certainly. Uh, are you going to go uh, rush out and go ahead and, and become part of uh, the, the big green thing going on? <laughs> Well, this is very short notice. I I have to admit this is the first that I am hearing the term, but it is definitely something that will be under consideration. Well, good. Well, I just uh, read about it, I guess, on LeafWire this morning, and I wondered why are they waiting? Why did they wait so long? They should have been advertising this like maybe weeks ago. I don't know. But anyway, that's that's what's happening. So you can tell all your friends about it. Uh, But let's get serious now. Can you bring us up to date on, on what is happening in these three states? And, and let's start with Mississippi, where 
I mean, it's amazing. Fully, 73% of voters voted in favor of medical marijuana. Um, There's a lawsuit going on there against what is called Initiative 65. One, what, where are they filing it? And more importantly, why are they filing it? What's going on there? Well, the why at this point is is pretty self-evident. I mean, here's the deal. If we go back to 20, uh, I'm sorry, 1996, when California voters uh, became the first in the nation to enact a legalization initiative, in that case for medical marijuana, you know, since that time, voters on 35 separate occasions have gone to the ballot box and voted in favor of either legalizing medical cannabis access or legalizing access for adults to possess and to consume cannabis. So we have a long inconsistent track record of winning these issues when the public has the opportunity to vote on them. So given this reality, the reality that we have won this battle in the court of public opinion, the reality that when we go to the ballot box and let voters have their say, we win. Our opponents have recognized that they really only now have one option, and that is trying to find remedies with the courts to either have these initiatives kicked off the ballot ahead of time so that voters do not have the opportunity to make the decision, or as we're seeing now more commonly, is having our opponents seek to go to the courts after the voters have decided and to try to have these votes thrown out. Whether or not one agrees with the premise that marijuana ought to be legal isn't really relevant to this discussion. Every American who believes in the sanctity of the vote and who believes in the democratic process ought to be disturbed that this is the sort of Hail Mary tactic that we are now seeing our opponents use again and again. You are correct. They have filed suits in three states, Mississippi, Montana, and South Dakota, to overturn ballot initiatives that passed by wide margins. Uh, But also this election cycle, it's worth noting that they filed similar suits in Arizona ahead of the ballot initiative vote. Those suits were rejected. And they filed a similar suit in Nebraska that ultimately was successful. That's why Nebraskans did not have the opportunity this election cycle to vote on the decision of whether or not to legalize medical marijuana. It wasn't because the Secretary of State didn't approve the language. It wasn't because Nebraskans didn't gather the necessary signatures to place it on the ballot. It was because opponents sued to get it kicked off the ballot. And in that instance, they were successful which has been a very unique situation. I believe that's the only time uh, opponents have ever successfully sued to have one of these initiatives uh, kicked off. But it is clear that this is a strategy opponents are going to continue to utilize again and again and again. Okay, so let's now take Montana. There's a group that, that calls itself Wrong for Montana, 
And they're filing a lawsuit that's claiming that the legal marijuana initiative, initiative, excuse me, violates the state constitution. Now, who is this group that's contesting? Uh, who are they? So Wrong for Montana was a political action committee that was formed during the uh, last election cycle to oppose the uh, constitutional amendment in the state of Montana to legalize and regulate the adult use market. Uh, they were unsuccessful at convincing uh, Montana's Montanans to reject the initiative. It passed by a margin of 57% to 43%. Uh, so because they were unsuccessful uh, at the ballot box, they are now seeking to have the vote uh, nullified. They have filed a suit that claims because there is a provision in the initiative that earmarks a small portion of retail tax revenue toward environmental causes, that that language makes the entire initiative null and void. Uh, the way the law works in Montana is that generally the legislature decides how tax revenues ought to be appropriated, not the general public. Because, again, there is this provision that says about 20% of tax revenues would be earmarked for this particular purpose. Our opponents have seized on that language and are claiming that, therefore, the entire initiative uh, is an unconstitutional, not just that particular provision. That's the basis of their suit. They actually filed a very similar suit prior uh, to the election. The courts at that time uh, did not not find that uh, litigation to be persuasive, uh, but nonetheless, they have largely filed the same suit again uh, after losing the election. And what will happen? Uh, are they going to also lose or are they going to uh, well, possibly that, win this time? <laughs> Again, we're going to have to see uh, what the courts decide. At this point in time, uh, the courts have uh, not given any indication either way. Uh, certainly, we would hope for an outright dismissal. If the courts don't do that uh, and make it clear that they do want to hear arguments from both sides, uh, then that's an indication that this may, might be a suit that, that's going to take some time to settle. Uh, going back to, to Mississippi, which you were, uh, had asked earlier about, uh, that is a suit uh, where the court has at this time not chosen to dismiss it outright and instead has called on parties representing both sides uh, to be ready to present arguments. Uh, so in the case of Mississippi, it does appear that this is a litigation that the courts, at least initially, uh, are willing to entertain, uh, despite the fact it was filed literally days before the election, and despite the fact that now the election has taken place. And as you noted, nearly three out of four Mississippians uh, voted in favor of Initiative 65. I mean, it, it, it's shocking. It, it, it's almost like saying, "What's happening with democracy?" And then, and then we we go to uh, you know an, an, another state, uh, South Dakota. Well, fifty-four percent of voters uh, chose to legalize recreational marijuana, but in that state, uh, they've got a couple of police officers who are asking the judge to throw out the measure. And, and to make things even worse, they apparently have the bank, the backing of of the governor. 
uh, Christy Nolan, who apparently funded the lawsuit. Uh, what is going on in South Dakota? Well, South Dakota is a really, this is a really disturbing case for a number of reasons, including some that you mentioned. Yes, there has been some early reporting indicating that some of the funding for these lawsuits, because of course, anyone who's ever been involved in litigation knows it doesn't come cheap. Somebody's got to pay for it. And in this case, it does look like certain public officials from the governor's office uh, are happily uh, willing to fund uh, this sort of litigation. Uh, South Dakota, like many states, has what's known as a single subject rule with regard to initiatives, which means that you cannot file a ballot initiative or have voters decide on a ballot initiative that encompasses multiple unrelated subjects. Uh, in this case, uh, the, the, the crux of this lawsuit is the claim that by enacting a measure that allows adults to possess marijuana and use marijuana and to have the production, commercial production of marijuana be licensed and to have the distribution of marijuana be licensed, that somehow these are inherently unrelated multiple subjects and therefore uh, the initiative has been thrown out. Um, South Dakota is far from the first state uh, to enact an initiative like this that has that single subject rule. Uh, I would dare say this is a frivolous lawsuit, except for the fact that this was the argument that was successfully used in litigation in Nebraska. And in Nebraska, the Supreme Court threw the initiative out because they said that allowing for medical marijuana access which includes patients possessing marijuana, dispensaries dispensing marijuana, and physicians recommending marijuana were three separate subjects that were unrelated and therefore the initiative was unconstitutional. It had never happened before. We have 36 states with medical marijuana access. That criticism had never been successfully raised uh, and defended until uh, literally just a few months ago. So that is the tactic that is being used in South Dakota. Notably, South Dakotans also in the same election cycle passed a ballot initiative allowing medical marijuana access. That initiative is not being litigated. Opponents are not claiming that that initiative violates the single subject rule. They're only claiming that the adult use measure violates the single subject rule. Uh, not as if I would encourage opponents to challenge both initiatives, but clearly they are picking and choosing their battles here. If there is any validity or credibility to this notion that the adult use measure violates the single subject rule, then clearly they'd be challenging both for the same reasons. They're not doing that. I would also add that in Mississippi, uh, we see this same sort of discriminatory tactic. Uh, the Litigation in Mississippi has to, uh, revolves around language that's in the, uh, the a statutory language that uh, is specific to how many counties were in Mississippi at the time of the last census. In the most recent census, the number of counties in Mississippi was reduced, but the statutory language was not changed parallel to that reduction. That's what's at issue in Mississippi. If that argument were to be valid, 
every initiative that's been enacted in that state over the last decade would all be invalid, including another initiative that was also passed in 2020. None of those initiatives are being challenged, only the medical marijuana initiative. Now, you know, I don't know, maybe I'm naive, but it feels as though certain groups or individuals have suddenly decided that the will of the people as expressed at the ballot box can be disregarded if they disagree with the outcome. I I wonder where that attitude came from. Yes, I certainly have my suspicions as well that there may be some monkey see, monkey do going on here. Uh, But again, I think this all dovetails back to the original point. Our opponents know that they have lost the hearts and minds of the American public when it comes to the issue of legalization. We have won that battle. A majority of Americans, in fact, a supermajority of Americans, now believe that marijuana ought to be legal. Given that reality, our opponents know that they cannot succeed when these issues go to the ballot box, so they are literally trying to take that option away from us. Have these, this, this, these groups that are around Are they at all coalescing or are they doing this on an individual basis, state by state? I mean, do they talk amongst each other or perhaps you don't even know that. Uh, But is there some kind of, uh, you know, coalition forming out there? Sure. The question of whether this is a coordinated effort is arguably a good one. My suspicion is that uh, these particular lawsuits were filed uh, by groups separate from one another, but certainly uh, just like there is a uh, activist movement when it comes to liberalizing marijuana laws, and there may be different groups, but there is some interactivity between those groups, and certainly uh, we know what other groups are doing, even if we don't discuss those tactics and strategies amongst ourselves, one would likely think uh, that our opponents also uh, are very well aware what others are doing. And when they see tactics that potentially might be successful, obviously uh, others are going to follow suit and and try to attempt uh, to, to use those tactics as well. I understand that now. It's much clearer to me. Now, let's go to the, the, the bigger level, the national level. Now, during the presidential campaign, Vice President-elect Harris used the words decriminalization and expungement. Is that enough? And how does normal and, and other legalization advocates intend to hold the new government's feet uh, to the fire, so to speak? So that's a very good question. Uh, In the run-up to the election, uh, staffers at Normal, like myself, had actually had direct communication uh, with the uh, Biden campaign. Uh, We had voiced our positions with respect uh, to what the administration's uh, position on this issue ought to be, how the administration's stated position uh, could be improved to be more effective. Um, And we believe that this is an administration that is responsive uh, to that sort of input. Certainly, Vice President Harris, as the lead Senate sponsor of the Marijuana Opportunity uh, um, Reform and Expungement, uh, Reinvestment and Expungement Act, the MORE Act, uh, is very well aware of that vehicle as sort of the... um, 
leading, most comprehensive federal piece of marijuana law reform legislation. Normal is a strong endorser and backer of the Moore Act. We think that is the most viable vehicle to facilitate the repeal of marijuana prohibition. We think that because the Moore Act deschedules or removes the marijuana plant from the Controlled Substances Act altogether, thereby allowing state governments, not the federal government, to be the primary uh, regulators and arbiters of marijuana policy uh, within their jurisdictions. Just like alcohol, prohibition was repealed by the federal government, by the federal government simply getting out of the way, we believe a very similar vehicle ought to be in place so that the federal government simply gets out of the way when it comes to marijuana law enforcement. Let's be clear. When the federal government repealed alcohol, they did not mandate states to legalize alcohol. They did not control how states that chose to legalize alcohol distribution did so. They simply got out of the way and said, we're not going to enforce federal laws outlawing alcohol anymore. And states were thereby free to decide for themselves how they wanted to regulate alcohol. That's what's going on right now at the federal level. That's what the Biden-Harris administration is talking about when they use some of this terminology. They are talking about having the federal government get out of the marijuana law enforcement business and letting states have the autonomy and flexibility to make their own decisions. Does that mean every state right out of the gate will go ahead and legalize marijuana? No. Clearly, just like states did not readily or immediately legalize alcohol after prohibition of alcohol was repealed. Hell, Mississippi and Missouri continued to crack down on alcohol sales into the 1950s. But ultimately, most states, and in fact all states, moved in a direction where alcohol would be regulated and legal. We see that same phenomenon happening with cannabis were the federal government to get out of the way. And that is our expectation, is that a Biden-Harris administration will back that sort of legislative reform. Now, how long do you think, how many years will it take for, let's say, most of the uh, states to legalize marijuana? I think there's all, going to all be kinds of, you know, not just medical, but also sure. uh, that people can smoke it, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. I think there's certain jurisdictions in this country that regardless of whether federal prohibition was in play or not in play, that will continue to criminalize marijuana for quite some time. Uh, Utah, Idaho, Alabama, uh, those, those are states that immediately come to mind. Uh, it's possible that in those more conservative jurisdictions, they may move initially towards something like decriminalization, where the personal possession of small quantities is depenalized, uh, but there is still no existing regulated legal above ground market. That might be uh, the way some of these more conservative states transition uh, into the equation. But look, even today, right now, 
a majority of states already have medical marijuana access. 15 states have adult use access. That encompasses one-third of the population of this country. Uh, We know that several more states within the next one to four years are going to add to those tallies, even if the federal government chooses not to get out of the way. So at some point, this becomes almost a fait accompli. And if there are a handful of holdout states, there are, but they are going to be in the minority. They're going to be marginalized on this issue. But at the end of the day, America is a federalist republic. Uh, states, we have 50 states, and 50 states have the autonomy to set, in some ways, their own policies. If there are a handful of states that believe it is most consistent with the attitudes of the public of that state or the social mores of that state uh, to, to not go forward with legalization, that's their choice. We would encourage them to take a different path, but ultimately that's their choice, but they are going to be in the minority. They're practically in the minority right now. Now, don't you think that taxes could be an interesting way to go? I mean, they realize that in a lot of these states, Illinois, for example, is making a lot of money off of of, of cannabis. Uh, Don't you think that some of these states might think that, hey, if we do, we'll have so much more to help uh, our, our people out, et cetera, et cetera? Or do you think they, they in don't some cases that that's way. definitely going to be the case, particularly when you have jurisdictions where literally the states on their border have opened up uh, retail access and residents are uh, traveling from one state to that other state and then returning, but making those purchases and, and distributing tax revenue to a neighboring state as opposed to their home state. Uh, that clearly gets the attention of governors. We're seeing that right now in New England. For instance, uh, lawmakers in Connecticut just announced yesterday that they would put this issue to a public vote uh, if they don't pass legislation this year because of the fact that they realize residents in Connecticut are driving to Massachusetts to purchase cannabis and then bringing it back to Connecticut. And Connecticut is not benefiting from those sales. Uh, we know in New York, lawmakers are looking at the progress in New Jersey, where voters by 67% this election uh, voted to legalize adult use. New Yorkers, uh, New York lawmakers know that New Yorkers will readily travel to New Jersey and come back to New York, and they don't want to miss out on those economic opportunities, so they want to move quickly in this direction. Uh, so certainly that economic incentive uh, does come into play, and in many cases comes into play when, again, uh, lawmakers can look to the north, look to their south, look to the east and west, see they're surrounded by states where these activities are legally regulated, see that they're generating revenue, and most importantly, see that their own residents are leaving their states, making these purchases outside their state, and then returning to their states, and they're seeing no economic benefit from it. Yep. I think that'll be the the end result, in my opinion. You know, it seems we're running out of time, Paul. And uh, can you tell our listeners your website? Although I'm sure most of our listeners know how to find normal, uh, being the oldest cannabis legalization group in the country. But what is the website for people? 
sure. It is N-O-R-M-L dot O-R-G. I'd encourage folks to go there uh, to stay abreast of what is going on with respect to cannabis policy. Certainly these issues we've just talked about today, uh, we've reported on within the last few days on our blog. We also, I'd like to highlight, we have a section of the website called Take Action, where folks can see and stay up to date on every piece of pending legislation at both the state level and certainly at the federal level. I'd also encourage folks to sign up for our e-zine where they will receive not only news updates but legislative updates. Uh, And for instance, they will continue to be updated on the progress of the MORE Act, which is tentatively scheduled for a vote on the uh, House floor within the coming days. So certainly if people want to keep abreast of those sort of issues and developments, definitely check out the website, normal.org, check out our blog, sign up for our e-zine to uh, receive email alerts in your inbox. Oh, you're a, you're a great performer. You really are. Thank you. You really, I think, get people very excited. And uh, obviously, if people want to donate to Normal, they can do so on, on, on your website, I assume. Am I right? There is a donate button. And certainly, you know, as you said, we are the oldest uh, marijuana reform organization. We're also really the only one that has a direct focus on the individual consumer. We consider Normal to be a consumer advocacy organization. Our interests align with the interests of the individual consumer, not necessarily uh, big corporations and big businesses that more and more often are entering into this space. And I think that gives us a very sort of uh, unique way to approach this issue in a way that that many uh, average individuals out there uh, really respect. Well, it's terrific talking to you, and I hope that uh, in the coming months we can have you on again and you'll have some good news to tell us as to what uh, is happening in those three states that are, uh, shall we say, having a marijuana problem. And thank you very much for being on the show. let's, Let's make a date of that. Okay, good. Thank you. And folks, please remember that my novel, Just Try Me, is available on Amazon in paperback and Kindle. And to all of our listeners, you can visit us on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and of course on CannabisRadio.com by going to High Society with Paxton Quigley. Stay healthy, stay home if you have to, and stay in touch. I'm Paxton Quigley. Opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.